Hi, I'm Gavin Carlson, and this is Out of Bounds, Daily Bruin Sports Podcast. The victory bell is back in Westwood, but how long will Chip Kelly be there? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Out of Bounds, the official sports podcast of the Daily Bruin. As always, I'm your host, Gavin Carlson, a fourth-year sports staff writer here at the Daily Bruin, and today it's me and the face and hair of the football podcast, senior sports staff writer Jack Nelson. How are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing fantastic, Gavin. It is Thanksgiving this week. It is such an underrated holiday. I am a big food enthusiast, and I cannot wait for all of the meals awaiting me. Shout out to Jack for repping the Daily Bruin. It was a big week for us, obviously rivalry week, a big week for the entire UCLA community. Uh, we put a lot of work in, a lot of articles, previewing the game, talking about the tradition. Uh, Joseph had a fantastic rap. Um, I was there at the LA Memorial Coliseum with Joseph and Grace Whitaker. Um, let's jump right into a surprisingly phenomenal performance by UCLA football. Um, kind of eerily similar to two, two years ago. They didn't beat them by 30. They didn't set a scoring record in the history of the rivalry like they did two years ago with DTR. But this game was kind of over... I'd say early in the fourth quarter, jumping out to a 38 to 13 lead. I mean, it started right away. Just the defense gets a fourth down stop, immediately scores. Two drives later, they get a turnover. Kenny Churchwell forcing a fumble, and it just kind of spiraled from there. Caleb Williams was, he was great. I mean, 384 yards, a touchdown, did have a pick. And, and let's just talk about the defense right away. We'll talk about Garbers. We'll talk about Chip and what it means for him. But I think the story of this game and at the story of the season for UCLA has been the defense. What did you just think of the overall performance from D'Anton Lynn's unit um, able to really silence a phenomenal USC offense coming in? Yeah, I mean, they're the number one rush defense in the country coming to this game, and it showed big time. <laughs> they allowed three rushing yards to USC. Let me repeat that. Three. Unbelievable. Um, and the only other game I can have comparison to this for how strong of a performance it was for the defense would have to be the Utah game. Right. That's the only one that comes to mind. But even this game, I think just surpass that because you think about how potent this USC offense has been with Caleb Williams. Absolutely. Um, it's been the key to them winning games because their defense can't buy a stop this entire season. Um, and so for UCLA's defense, definitely their finest performance of the season. Um, just winning the turnover battle was huge for this team. I mean, 3 nothing turnover in, in favor of UCLA. Plus two um, fourth down stops as well. So true, I, true. I think those are basically turnovers, right? You, you, yeah, you get them off yeah. the field. So turnover pseudo down, five so. turnovers, right? Exactly, yeah. What, two fumbles, interception, that yeah. fumble right at the, was it, 10-yard line or something, scoop and score by Alex Johnson, yes. big play. That I think that pretty much put it out of reach. At I that agree. point, I, I trusted that UCLA was going to pull out the win at that point. I agree. I mean, with this rivalry, you knew that the atmosphere was going to be fantastic. I think there were 72,000-plus people in the Coliseum, but that there was not really energy for most of the game from the fan base, and for good reason for USC. I mean, the fourth down conversion right away turns into seven points for UCLA, then a three and out by USC, and they punt, and then the fumble, and suddenly it's like, oh my goodness, it's 14 nothing. Joseph was sitting next to me he was saying, this is kind of like last year, 14 nothing UCLA, except from then, USC turned things on, and that did not really happen. Of course, Caleb Williams had the huge, I believe, 74-yard touchdown to Brendan Rice, um, that got them back in. It was 14-7. And you're like, all right, here we go. Caleb's going to heat up. But the, the, the pick on the next drive really silenced that offense once again. And it was really just a from start from beginning to end. Of, the defense was phenomenal. The whole way, Liatu Latu. I, I, I said it in the five things. Um, a legacy game for him. Two sacks on the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. But he was in the backfield way more than that. There was, you know, Caleb is amazing. He's a magician back there. He's going to get out of, you know, difficult situations. But that doesn't mean he'd rather not sit in the pocket and just have guy he has weapons everywhere for him to have to run away from Latu all over all throughout the game really slowed him down a bit um and and Latu 
the stats are unbelievable. He's 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 up there with Anthony Barr in 2012, 2013 in terms of um, historic pass rushing stats for UCLA. Um, but let's talk about the offense because sort of the theme this whole year has been defense phenomenal. Defense gives the offense the ball in great situations. Offense does not convert it into points. Um, sometimes it hasn't been any points. Missed field goals, turnovers inside the 10, Carson Steele fumbling. Today, or not today, Saturday, not only do they get the ball in the red zone or in plus territory very often, but they convert it into points. Hudson Habermill, huge game. Uh, what do you see from Garbers? What do you think of his performance? Yeah, uh, maybe not the most phenomenal statistical-wise. I mean, you look at the, his stat line from the game, 18 of 31 through the air for 155-yard passing yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions. And I think that's the key stat right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. That is what UCLA's offense has been looking for, error-free football from their quarterbacks. Yep. Because it has been so hard to find this season for this team. Um, and definitely Garbers' best performance with UCLA um, just – kept the ball moving. I mean, that's what they usually scored at will against this USC defense that obviously one of the, one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. I don't know if I've seen a defense as bad as USC's defense. I saw the stat the other day. They had allowed their most points in a season in program history. Wow. Program history. Mm. And this is after, like this game happened after they fired Alex Grinch. So they've got a whole mess to deal with over there, um, over at Southern California. But I back to Garbers. I mean, yeah, just a, a great performance from him. Not the flashiest, but we have to talk about that one touchdown pass he had. Oh, yeah. Usually goes up 21 to 10 on this. Like basically, he drops back, rolls out to his right, he's feeling the pressure from his left, and he's got a defender draped over him essentially. His body's halfway to the ground, dumps off past TJ Harden right at the end zone. Usually, he's up 21 to 10. Like that's one of the best plays I've seen from Ethan Garbers, if not the best play I've seen from him this season. Yeah, and at that moment, the game was still close, right? It, maybe the, the later touchdowns where he's throwing it to Hudson Habermill and then throwing the twos down, which was, that was okay. That was kind of fire, not going to lie. Um, but at that moment, the game was close, and that was a huge score. I asked him about that play after the game. I said, you know, you, you, not only did you get hit, but he kind of got up slow after the fact. Looked like a pretty painful injury, or hit, and he said, hey, feels a lot better after a touchdown than it would after an incompletion. So I think that was, I agree, one of the biggest plays of the game besides the defensive turnovers. Um, but talking about Garbers, this was the argument for Ethan Garbers versus Dante Moore in this whole debate that there's been all season long. The argument was this defense is great. You don't need a quarterback to throw for 384 yards like Caleb Williams did. You need 155, three tuds, and no interceptions. That's what he gave you. Like you said, the no turnovers was the biggest aspect of this game. That's the reason they won the game, the turnover battle. Um, but he made throws in key moments. Not only the touchdown, but the amount of Logan Loya. And the throwback to when we had this, it's over. Logan Loya, number one option, not I even agree. close. I was wrong, Gavin. You're absolutely right. Logan Loya is the guy in Westwood. He's the face of the football podcast, so every once in a while I've got to give him a jab and remind you. But... um. Fourth and two, Logan Loya outright out route bang. Third and ten, Logan Loya bang. Ryan Cragen for seven, but nothing. He's not throwing forty-five yard bombs. He did have one or two misses. He had Sturdivant streaking down the middle. He overthrew him by a couple yards. I mean, I think he had one to Logan Loya that he overthrew like three or four yards above him. Um, but timely throws, third down throws, fourth down throws, kept the chains moving when it was the exact opposite for USC. On their fourth and shorts, it looked like UCLA the week prior against Arizona State, not able to convert. I was shocked. There was a fourth and two, and USC throws a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage. You have the best, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the nation who, whose best skill is when the play breaks down, running around, and you run a snap and immediately throw the ball. It's Caleb Williams, and you're getting the ball out of his hand like he's Ethan Garbers. It didn't make sense to me, Lincoln Riley. I don't know what you were doing uh, on Saturday, but Garbers did what he needed to do. Shout out to Logan Loyal. I think he was phenomenal. And then the last thing I'll say about the offense, before we go big picture, TJ Harden. You talked about the touchdown catch. 22 for 142, 
and a touchdown on the ground as well. Um, and he kind of took the the job from Steele. I mean, Steele was solid, 12 for 49, 4.1 a carry is kind of average for college football, if not below average for a Chip Kelly offense. But Harden, six and a half yards a carry. It helps that he had that 58-yard run. Um, but TJ Harden was a huge part of this game outside of that touchdown catch. And the offensive line was pretty solid, I'd say, the whole game. So Yeah, I mean... Well, as you mentioned with Harden, it's a debate we've been having all season long, right? Yeah. Is it Harden? Is it Steele? Is it both of them? Is it one of them? And it's kind of interesting. This this kind of happened at the exact same time last season. You had Zach Charbonnet, who was injured latter mm-hmm. half of last season, a few games, gave Harden a couple more carries. He showed what he can do in the UCLA offense, and he's doing the same thing right now. That is probably the best performance of his career right there against USC. Um, and I would not be surprised to see something similar play out against Cal. Yeah, and I think it's perfect to transition to big picture now because this game has so many implications, obviously Chip Kelly, um, but not just Chip Kelly. I think people don't know what Dante Moore is going to do this off season and to have Garber, if Garber's came out and had a poor performance, maybe it's Dante starting against Cal and maybe he knows he's the guy going into next year. He stays in Westwood. I mean, now is this Ethan Garber's team? I mean, I see he's going to start against Cal and, and probably in the bowl game. And, and if Dante has not played a game, since the Arizona game, is he gone in the offseason, right? Like, that's a question. Same thing, TJ Harden, Carson Steele. Steele obviously has a year of eligibility left, but, you know, age matters for running back in terms of when you go to the draft. Maybe he says this was enough for me to, you know, go to the draft. It's okay, UCLA fans. You saw TJ Harden be the future of your your backfield, right? So I think there's there's a lot of big, big, uh, big picture future implications. But the biggest implication of all is Mr. Chip Kelly, because as we know, coming into this game, People already thought he was gone. We originally thought he was going to get fired the, the morning after the Arizona State loss. A report comes out in the middle of the week saying uh, Chip Kelly is likely to be fired after the USC game. Uh, but we're recording on a Monday, and not only is Chip Kelly not fired, but some people are talking about Chip Kelly keeping his job now into next year. I have no idea, Jack, where you stand on this. Does this win for Chip Kelly mean he gets a chance in the Big Ten next year? Well, let me provide some context up front to what you were saying. So after UCLA beat USC this weekend, people asked Chip Kelly about, of course, his job security, how he felt about that going forward. Yes. He mentioned that Martin Jarman had told him earlier in the week in person, which I don't know if he should have said in a media setting, but <laughs> he said it anyways. He said that Martin Jarman told him that all of the reports about his job security were inaccurate and inappropriate. And so it seems like, to me, there's no reason Martin Jarman is going to fire Chip Kelly before the end of the season and probably will keep him through at least the first year in the Big Ten. That's the way I see it's going to play out. And I actually, after this week, not that I'm attributing it all to this USC win, but I've just seen, oh God, I've watched so much. I've listened to so much like analysts talk about this whole Chip Kelly situation because it's so weird. There's so many moving parts. There's so many differing opinions. I think Chip Kelly should be USA's coach going into the Big Ten next year, which after last week is crazy that my perspective has changed that much in a week. It's insane. Um, but look, I think... I will give a lot of credit to uh, Joel Klatt. I'm a big fan of his. Oh, yeah, uh, he had a, too. He had a great discussion this week about, um, I guess, in you and I, Gavin, we have such an insider perspective on the Pac-12. We've covered the Pac-12 for such a long time now. we followed the Pac-12 for a long time now. Absolutely. Joel Klatt, he's much more of an outsider. He has a much different perspective. What he's been talking about, basically, is that Chip has done the most with the resources given to him. Should he have gone out and done more recruiting? Yes. Should he have accomplished more with a fifth-year quarterback like Dorian Thompson-Robinson and that offense last year? Probably, but the real the like the reality with reality with UCLA is that UCLA does not support the football program to the level it needs to justify the expectations that are set for Chip Kelly. Mm. It just obviously the fans have astronomic expectations, 
This is a program that, you know, back in the 90s, think was this was a top program year in, year out. They're going to the Rose Bowl quite often. And you say now has not been back to the Rose Bowl in quite some time. Yeah, there was a stretch and where I was, I was researching. There was a stretch in the 90s where they beat USC eight times in a row, I believe. Yeah, eight, eight times time, in a row. No one can in, in our generation can even imagine that. They beat them eight times in a row, and then Pete Carroll shows up and changes everything. And, and Terry Donnie, who rests in peace, leaves and changes everything for UCLA. But like you said, the expectations were high because of that, right? Yeah. And just like even with the USC thing, just winning two in the past three years is someone surprising too. I mean, it, yeah. Like, I don't, no one had UCLA win, winning this game, let's be honest. We all, none of us had it. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> that's why the week before we all had us, we all had UCLA beating Arizona State. All of us were wrong. All of us had UCLA beating USC. All of us were wrong. So, so what Jack is know. saying is take our opinions with a grain of salt, I guess. Don't, like don't do that. We still know what we're talking about. We know I what promise. we're talking about. These past weeks have been so unpredictable. Of let's course. be honest. Here. Of all course. Right? We, there's no chance we could have foreseen exactly what happened these past two weeks. But I'm uh, sorry to go on a tangent from no, the debate no. here. But, I think it's worth giving Chip uh, one year in the Pac-12. I'm sorry, in the Big Ten um, next year, just because. I mean, it's God, it's it's so hard to it's actually really justify hard. this because I'm like, I think it does come back to the continuity discussion. I think if you do take the risk of someone like a DeAnton Lynn or maybe someone out of house who might be a first year head coach, I think that comes with its own set of risks coming into the Big Ten. Um, and I do think, I, I mean, you have to think about the fact that the Big Ten defense is huge. Recruiting is huge. That was my knock against Chip Kelly for a while is that recruiting was going to really hurt him in the Big Ten because that is where the Big Ten, like, recruiting is everything because mm-hmm. it's such a, such oh, yeah. a you know, competitive, competitive conference. And it's, it's going to be the most competitive conference in the history of the sport next year with, of course, realignment. You having the four best teams in the Pac-12 joining, or not four best, but four most prominent programs in the Pac-12 joining. It's going to be the most competitive conference in the history of, like, obviously the SEC has been the king. It's not going to be the king anymore, even with them getting Texas and Oklahoma. It's the Big Ten. The Big Ten it's is the king ten. of the football, the football next year. And I think we do have to take account for how these next two games p- play out. If Chip, if UCLA lose these next two games, <laughs> will my opinion go back to what it was? Yes. <laughs> if they win these next two games, I will hold steadfast in my opinion that UCLA should give Chip Kelly one year of the Big Ten. But that's all I got for now. I'm 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 gonna be real. I'm kind of surprised um, because Jack was in line with me about Chip needing to go after the Arizona State loss. I will say this: I think if your position before this week was that Chip needs to go, I don't think this game should change that. I'm not saying that either. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But, but yeah, but isn't that what you just did? No, I was saying that with. The, the other perspectives that I've garnered in the past week. Okay, I've, okay. Had more, I've had a little more So you're saying now, you, so. you disagree kind of where with where you stood before this yes, game. Yes, I have a little bit of a more mature perspective I'd like to think. Okay, that is fair. Um, obviously, the opinions are going to be as hot takey as possible right after that Arizona State loss. For me, a couple of things. It, the offense did not win this game for UCLA. Still, in my opinion, this was a defense first performance, yeah. um, which once again still goes back to Danton Lynn. Still goes back to a bunch of guys. I'll keep saying the best player on UCLA's team was a diamond in the rough transfer who was about to end his career because of medical because of injuries in Laotulatu, right? So, I think the the context of the chip situation I don't think is that different. You you beat USC, phenomenal. But I think this game is more an indictment on USC and Lincoln Riley than it is suddenly Chip Kelly is the man. Um, this this team is still Chip Kelly is still an offensive coach whose offense is pretty average. This year, if not below average, he still mishandled the Dante Garbers thing. Um, I don't think Ethan Garbers throwing for 155 yards against USC means he's the face of the UCLA in the Big Ten when they're playing Ohio State and Michigan. Oh, my goodness. They're going to score seven points. 
they're going to score 10 points. In the cold, if it's snowing, they're going to score three points. They're going to look like Iowa. So I personally, I don't think it changes anything. It's a phenomenal win. And I give so much credit to Chip Kelly. I was in the, the press conference after the game. He got emotional talking about the Atu. He got emotional talking about the rivalry. It was kind of a weird interview. You got people asking him, hey, people said you're fired, but you're still here. What do you think about that? He handled it well. I don't think he's always been the best at press conferences. Suddenly now there's men of Westwood videos that have Chip Kelly in them. So it's like there's suddenly things are changing with Chip and, and everything. But at the end of the day, if you held the position, that Chip needs to be gone based on what you've seen this year and what you saw with that inexplicable Arizona State loss. For me personally, I don't think this changes that. If UCLA beats Cal by 400 and then beats a solid team in the Las Vegas Bowl by 400, call me crazy. I still think if you hold, held the position you did last week, you got to stick to it. I held that position. Chip Kelly's offense did not sh- you know, shock the world. They scored 38 points, not even 38. They scored 31 on a bunch of 20-yard drives against the worst defense in the history of USC. So personally, maybe I'm harsh, but I don't think I don't think you can change your mind. I don't know. But like you said, yours is different. You're saying you changed your, your original take, which yeah. I respect. Yeah. And I'm it's, with you. I think Joel Klatt's the man. I think he's the best analyst in college football. So usually whatever he says is probably right, and maybe I'm wrong. But, hey, that's the fun of this thing. Um, we got to talk about Cal. I know it, it's like – like you said, if they lose the game to Cal, then none of this matters again. Suddenly Chip Kelly's in the doghouse again. Um, Cal coming off a rivalry win of their own, beating Stanford, who was awful, uh, 27 to 15 uh, at the farm. UCLA favored by 10 and a half. Do you have UCLA winning? Do you have them covering? Or do you have Chip Kelly suddenly losing and being back in the doghouse? Uh, I do have UCLA winning this game. Uh, I'll give it my score prediction off the, off the noggin. I'll give it. 28-14 UCLA. Mm. Um, just because another low-scoring game, as you just mentioned, UCLA's offense, not going to put up a whole lot of points. Um, Cal's defense is marginally better than USC's. Not a lot of impressive guys over there. But, I mean, a couple names stand out to me. I mean, Fernando Mendoza, he stepped in a quarterback uh, for the past six games. Um, he's been okay. I mean, he's he just won Pac-12 Freshman of the Week. Uh, he's thrown, what, one interception in five of those games, but also multiple touchdowns in that same amount of span. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's, he's been pretty consistent from that standpoint. Um, but I think it more comes down to Jaden Ott uh, in the backfield. Yep. I mean, he's probably one of the best running backs in the Pac-12, I would say. Yeah. Um, he's had 150 or more rushing yards in three of his last four games. So he's, he's cooking right now. <laughs> um, so, but UCLA, number one rush defense. So will that work to their advantage? Yes, it will. One, one thing real quick. I don't want to keep beating the same drum. But you basically said the reason UCLA is going to win this game is because their defense is phenomenal and their offense is mid. Chip Kelly, offensive coach. If your offense is mid and you're scoring 28 against Cal, you ain't scoring many in the Big Ten. That's all I'll say. And he comes back to it. You're right. That, that's all yeah. I'll say. But anyways, I totally agree. Ott is phenomenal. Uh, last year, in last year's game, which it was a similar kind of atmosphere. Uh, I was at that game against Cal in the Bay Area. Not much energy. It was a Black Friday game. Everyone's more worried about Thanksgiving and what they're getting for Christmas presents than UCLA playing Cal in a useless Pac-12 game. In a way, this kind of feels similar. I don't know how many people are going to be at the Rose Bowl. I know there's not going to be many students at the Rose Bowl. Um, and so it could get a little weird. Pac-12 after dark, 7.30 p.m. at the Rose Bowl. Pretty somewhat empty stadium. But I, I'll, I'll go with you. I have UCLA winning as well. I'm going to say 24-14. to 14. Um, So I guess they don't cover the 10.5 or whatever. But... Um, at the end of the day, I don't think Kyle's going to move the ball that well. They only scored 27 against Stanford, who's a awful, 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 awful defense. Um, so I don't think they'll do very, very well against UCLA. 
Um, but once again, more credit to Danton Lynn than Chip Kelly. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll stop. Um, he's right, though. He's right. He's not wrong. He's right. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's it's interesting. We'll, we, we will revisit this Chip Kelly debate, debate every single football podcast until the end of the season. And who knows? Maybe during basketball season, somehow Chip Kelly's name will get brought up. It's Chip Kelly. You have to. Um, but before we end, real quick, at the request of Jack Nelson, we are going to discuss what is the best Thanksgiving meal um, or side dish, whatever, in, in honor of Thanksgiving. We don't know. I'll be honest. We don't know if this is coming out before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving. If it's before, have a great Thanksgiving. If it's after, hope your Thanksgiving was phenomenal. Um, but Jack, when you walk into, I assume, the dining room or the kitchen of your house or a family member's house, what is the dish that you got to see and you got to get to first before someone else wipes it clean? What is it? It's got to be the stuffing for me, Gavin. Oh, I mean, it's funny because for the longest time, I didn't realize how great it was. I, I was such a picky eater for the longest time. And uh, then a couple Thanksgivings ago, I had something for the first time and my life, the course of my life was altered. Mm. I mean, here, a couple, a couple points for why stuffing is Look at this. He's, he's treated this like dishes. a football breakdown. I love this. I'm going to break it down for break you. Break it down. Number one, let's talk about the versatility of stuffing. Yeah. It goes with any other Thanksgiving dish you put out there. Absolutely. A couple dishes, they clash. The taste, the flavors, they don't go together very well. Versatility, number one. But also number two, you talk about the shelf life and the uses for stuffing. Think about it. You got to think about what you can do with reheating. He's so right, though. You can put it on sandwiches. It it can last for a week, weeks after Thanksgiving. And you got to think about sustaining the greatness of the meal. Like, come on. It comes down to stuffing. I'm an absolute fiend for, (laughs) for, for, for stuffing cranberry and turkey sandwiches. God, Thanksgiving sandwiches, they're so good. Oh, they're so good. One question. One question. That was a phenomenal breakdown, by the way. What's, what's in the stuffing that you're eating? Because stuffing is so... What, some people have stuffing with shrimp. Some people have stuffing with turkey. Some people have stuffing... Like, what is in your stuffing that, you, that you're craving? It's more conventional. Uh, mm. I think it's a lot of breadcrumbs. I don't know the exact ingredient, but breadcrumbs, uh, yes. some sort of chives, like some, <laughs> some, some spices. I couldn't tell you the exact recipe my parents use, but it is a fan, phenomenal recipe. Um, so what are you, the guy? What's in what's in your stuffing? Um, um, my family's from New Orleans, so my stuffing has like oysters and shrimp and stuff oh, in yeah. it. Lots but it is and, and sausage and everything. But it is phenomenal. So I'm with you. The thing you said about the shelf life, throw that thing in the microwave four days later. It's better. It's like what? How? It's 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 phenomenal. So great take. Um, I think there's one or two other options that I'm gonna go with. Sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes, yes. phenomenal. Certain ways. Don't be messing it up with all these marshmallows and everything. Put some brown sugar, put it in the oven, get a nice little top. I don't need marshmallows. This is not a s'more. It's a sweet potato, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what some people are doing trying to turn this into a, a peep. All right? This is not a peep. It's a sweet potato. So no marshmallows, please. Sweet potatoes, elite. Final thing I'll say before we end this, cranberries. Phenomenal. Put some walnuts, some, something in there to add a little crunch. So, so tart and, and just phenomenal. Another thing that lasts, it lasts. Um, dessert, real quick, quick. Is it sweet? Is it sweet? Uh, not sweet potato. Is it pumpkin pie for you? Apple pie, actually. Apple, Apple pie, pie is neither for me. So take that. It's pecan pie. Pecan pie, the best. And it's not pecan. It's pecan. Um, but that'll do it for this unbelievably amazing ending to the Out of Bounds podcast. Chip Kelly is in Westwood for now. Um, I'll be in Westwood eating some stuffing, hopefully. Um, and yes, UCLA will be at the Rose Bowl taking on Cal in. I still think a must-win game for Chip Kelly's job. I think. The next two games are still must-wins. Personally, I think it shouldn't matter, but you heard me say that. Um, That'll do it. 
UCLA Daily Bruin on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, if you want to listen. But for the last, not for the last time, once again, why would you only want to listen when you can look at Jack Nelson? He's got the glasses. I think it's a different shape. I don't even know. The Daily Bruin crew neck, phenomenal. Um, but yes, thank you so much for watching and listening. We'll catch you next week. We'll see what the, the take is on Chip Kelly by then. But for now, have a great Thanksgiving. And if you already had it, hope it was phenomenal. Good luck with the Black Friday shopping. So long. <laughs>